HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues. That's him. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte, and my co-host Souther Teague is uh, away for work, which is fine. <laughs> um, unfortunately, he can't be here today, but that's fine because I have a room full of uh, really great friends here today, and uh, very excited to have them. Um, I remember meeting our guest today uh, a couple years back at Tales of the Cocktail, and uh, then got to go to the distillery, which he is the head distiller at. Um, over this last summer and really got to hit it off and become good friends and uh, bonded over rock and roll, motorcycles, hot rods, and whiskey. And I'm glad to uh, introduce our guest today. We've been talking about this for a while. It's just, yeah, uh, yeah. We, it's been, uh, it's been on the, uh, the old docket, but it's great to have you in town and uh, in the studio today. Please welcome uh, Rob Dietrich from Stranahan's Whiskey out of Colorado. Happy to be here, brother. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Man. Cheers. So, I mean, this is uh, this is kind of funny because, like, before we uh, got into the studio, we were talking about um, some some different things uh, here at the bar at uh, at Roberta's. We we're talking about certain things like uh, the phenomenon of um, specialty uh, like can releases for different like craft brewing and how it's become like such a thing. And we'll get to we'll probably get to this in a second, uh, but. There's definitely a hype built around Stranahan's Colorado whiskey um, with uh, one of the marks, one of the skews that you guys have, uh, which is the snowflake. Right. We'll talk about it in a second. Yeah. But you guys really like started building the category of like American single malts. And I mean, this was, it's been around what, nine years, 10 years? Uh, we've been around for, well, since 2004. 
So 14. So longer. Yeah. Wow, shit. Yeah, 14. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, March, uh, March 9th, uh, 2004 is when we got our, our distilling permit. And that was the first time uh, anybody had had a distilling permit in, in Colorado. So wow. we first whiskey, first distilling in Colorado. It's amazing. And in 2004, I know it's nuts. You would think that that would have happened way before that, but yeah. Yeah, I think uh, there was actually like not a whole lot of uh, American distilling going on like back then. I mean, you had like like as far as like small batch American distilling that is. Um, right. Obviously, there's a lot of American whiskey distilling going on for you know a couple of centuries, but uh, the uh, the craft like small batch um, whiskey distilling hadn't really started. I mean, there was like like Tuttletown was doing some stuff. Yeah, and. Um, like McCarthy's, St. George, yeah, yeah. St. George. Um, it, really, there weren't that many people doing craft distilling. Um, we were, I mean, we were twenty second, uh, the twenty second distilling permit uh, to be issued since Prohibition. So, I mean, that shows you just in two thousand four, there's only twenty two permits that had ever had been applied for since since the thirties. It's amazing. Yeah, it's nuts. Super cool. I mean, so like, how did let's just go ahead and get into the uh, first of all, like I I'm really excited to have you on the show because. Like I said before, like you and I, we clicked on a lot of different aspects of yeah. our lives, and like I, I, we were sitting around uh, talking about whiskey, and uh, I was like, "Man, I love Denver, Colorado." My first motorcycle—I've only been in two, by the way—motorcycle uh, wreck. Neither were my fault, but I was like, "Yeah, man, my first motorcycle wreck was in Denver," and you're like, "Oh shit, I'm sorry about that." I'm like, "No, man, I love that place because <laughs> it really opened my eyes." Um, but uh, that's where we started bonding all this stuff, and then yeah. uh, uh, turns out we uh, became very good friends. And cheers and, to that. And whiskey helps. <laughs> whiskey I mean, does whiskey help. Whiskey helps. Um, you know, and, and the way I always uh, I'd like to talk about is you know if we're talking whiskey, you have a little whiskey in us. So mm-hmm. uh, we are currently enjoying uh, and imbibing. And, and this is the first mark. This is the uh, the straight up the the, the OG, uh, yeah, the, the original. Yep. Yeah. So Stranahan's original uh, all malt barley whiskey that uh, um, that we make from grain to bottle. In Denver, yeah, you know we have. Uh, I mean, you, you saw the distillery, and it's so much fun just to be able to walk through and see. Um, you know, you see the grain silo outside, and you see the mashing fermenting in the mill, milling it, and you see all the, the fermenters. The old truck, then, the old truck, yeah, <laughs> nineteen thirty-seven Dodge. It used to be John Wayne's truck. It's that thing, amazing. I, I've uh, I had a blast. I had that thing at my house for about a year working on it. Um, yeah. You know, I went through the engine. It's a flathead six uh, with the the oil. It has an oil bath filter that um, when I opened it up. It was a it was a toilet paper roll. It was it was literally a roll of toilet paper in there used as a filter. Without the they pulled the cardboard tube out of it, and I looked at it and I was like, you know, hell, that works. I still replaced the filter. I put another roll of toilet paper in there, yeah. and it works just fine. <laughs> well, that's actually something that you're. Uh, I mean, not to sidetrack too much, but like you're definitely a, a very uh, mechanically experimental person. Motorhead, because <laughs> you uh, you had a uh, motorcycle that ran on on biofuel. That you converted, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a um, it was a Czechoslovakian motorcycle uh, frame that my buddy and I had found down in, in uh, down in Taos, down out, out in the desert. We pulled the engine in out. Taos, of it. New Mexico. Yeah, cool. Yep. And uh, we pulled the engine out of it, and we pulled the the engine out of a cement mixer. It was a diesel engine, um, and we put that in the bike. We had to cut the frame a little bit and put it in there, and uh, and so we put a, a separate tank on the side that had diesel fuel in it, and then we used the regular tank for vegetable oil so we take the vegetable oil and just literally filter all the chunks of french fries out of it and <laughs> uh i mean it wasn't too scientific we didn't get too crazy with that and then we uh you would so you'd start up the start up the bike on diesel and then switch over to, to vegetable oil 
you can get like three or four hundred miles out of out of a tank of, of vegetable oil. It's amazing. Uh, and that, and that <laughs> thing that thing was fun. Uh, I got it banned in uh, in Uray County, uh, Colorado, because <laughs> uh, I crashed it because it only had front brakes. Um, I didn't have rear brake on that thing, and I and I I, endo? I I yep I endoed it and. <laughs> Somebody saw it because I was sitting there trying to fix the bike so I can drive off, and somebody saw the accident, called it in. This cop came up, and you know I'm out in the middle of the country, out in the middle of nowhere, and here comes this cop. And I was like, ah, oh, shit, I know what's going on here. Yeah, and he's like, what and, the fuck are you doing, man? Well, and he's looking at it, and he's like, okay, what is this? Thing? I mean, he's looking at it, it's a rat bike. I, I I literally put a bullet in the back fender with a 357. So I mean, it looks, <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's a full blown rat bike. But uh, um, and he said, all right, uh, well, where's the paperwork on this? Like, well, I don't have it with me. It didn't exist, and. Uh, and he said, "All right, okay. I, I've seen this bike around. I know that uh, I know it's totally illegal." He said, "I don't ever want to see it in my county again." I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah. <laughs> did you Did you go back though? Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, I'd, I'd still I'd still buzz around. I lived I lived in that county, unfortunately. So yeah. <laughs> well, getting back to the whiskey. Um, oh, also, I mean, like um, you you have that event um, in the summer where. You do want to talk about the event where you bring uh, you you guys open up the distillery to yeah. for a tour. It's called the Cask Thief. Cask Thief, yeah. yeah. Which is really cool because, like, for those out there listening, um, it's a cool event. You get to go to the distillery, which is a very nice distillery, by the way. I mean, I've seen some, I've seen some like there's some really piece together places. Ones. Yeah, I've seen some piece together ones. Yeah, but that that one's really cool. And uh, during this event, you have all these different um, experimental cask vibes where like people they get a passport yep. and they get to stamp like every one that they try right and you have bands you have food and it's freaking awesome it's it's a blast this dogs is, uh, running around everywhere it's great yeah that's i mean that's colorado man it's uh there's a dispensary across the street yep yep if you're getting you're getting too bored you run across the street um want to change you want to change your vibe a little bit yeah, yeah. um now it's a uh it's a fun so basically what i'll do is i'll, I'll hand select six different barrels that have, of different kind of cask finishes or unique flavors and uh and and we invite you know, the public to come in you know now now we're charging a ticket if you come in um you get your glass you get your passport and then we'll pull we'll pull with the whiskey thief we'll pull it right out of the barrel for you put it in your glass you should call it and, glass port yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice dave <laughs> um, but yeah it's it's a great i was lucky enough to uh to get to attend it this last summer and it was such a blast, man! And it, again, it's like it's you get to see the magic of what's happening in the distillery and and in the Rick houses and like everything. It's really cool, and you have a really nice tasting room. We get to learn all about uh, the different marks that you have, and uh, what I think that they're like. In my opinion, there's like a really cool, especially being a, like a newer distillery. Like as far as like the actual timeline goes for distilleries, you have a really cool. Um, like newer way of thinking about like modern distillation and just like in the same way that like you've got like with the, uh, the motorcycle story, it's like, you've got really cool things. Like I, I remember my first time to have strain of hands was about 10 years ago, like the, the yellow label one. And, uh, there was, you know, on the label, which is also kind of avant-garde and it's got a, a, a like ribbon wrapped around the, uh, right, right. uh, the bottle. There's these a section for notes where you can say like uh, it was distilled this day. This is batch number, blah blah blah. But then it's also like we were listening to yeah, so and so. We were listening to Tom Waits at the time when we were like distilling this. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Like that's not something you would get from like like an old school like malt whiskey producer. You know, it's very like by the books. Like here's 
this thing taking you know, themselves too seriously taking themselves too seriously yeah yeah you can yeah. take yourself seriously but you don't like you you can take the job seriously but you don't you don't have to take yourself too seriously right right exactly you, know? you need to have some it fun, be with fun. It. and it yeah. was you know we would we would um we had we'd all hand sign the hand sign the label and put our own comments on there you can kind of pick up on on the personality of the guys who are making the whiskey so you get to, you know like you know listen to willie nelson or listen to johnny cash or um wrenching on the, wrenching the church on of the, dodge the church of the uh, church of the baby willie jesus brother <laughs> Church of the Baby Willie Jesus. Can I get a Hail Willie? Hail <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. I, you know, that's, there was like, actually, based on that also, it's like, there's something very outlaw about the uh, the brand that you guys have and like the way that you make whiskeys. And I, um, a couple weeks ago, we had uh, uh, the crew in from the, uh, the Cane Club Collective. We're talking about rum and like how outlaw it is because there's no rules. With rum because right. it's an international product and you can kind of do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, as long as it's made with, you know, cane, sugar, cane sugar, right? You know, um, and I feel that way about the uh, the modern American whiskey vibes. You know, like the smaller independent, like kind of like blooming, like I won't want to say economy, but just like the the vibe of like what's happening out there with. Uh, with uh, modern distillers, like you can kind of just like, especially with the category of like an American single malt, which is actually not necessarily a category yet. It's not an no, official it's not. category, right? Right. We're working on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, kind of going back to you know, we are we are you know, I mean a little outlaw in Colorado, and we and we we love that. I mean, that's kind of how it all started with Jess Graber, the, mm-hmm. our founder, the guy who started it. You know, when he went to the state of Colorado and said, "Hey, I want to make make a whiskey," You're like, well, nobody's ever done that before. We don't we don't know how the hell to do that. You know, it's um, so he had to go through uh, the TTB and, and figure out how to create the regulations and work with the state of Colorado to actually uh, design the the structure for just for distilling. And uh, once he did that, that door was just wide open. I mean, first whiskey. Now there's you know there's over 80 distilleries in Colorado now. That's insane. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, it's just and it and there's more every day. It just seems like they're popping up all over the place. It's so crazy, man. I mean, like that's that's a massive growth. I mean, yeah, just huge. in one state alone. Yeah, that's insane. When you kind of wonder about how sustainable that is overall like if you're just starting out you're like i'm going to start a whiskey right now and it's so saturated but if you do it a different way if you make a whiskey you know you know we just we fired on all cylinders we just we were you know we had we you make you know you want to make juice that people are going to come back and drink again and that's the whole point you know make good whiskey first yeah. and then you know throw some branding you know figure out your branding and yeah. you know, we put that silver cap on the top because we're all Outdoors, Which you know, it's doubles fun. as a jigger or a shot glass. Three uh, ounce pour. It's yeah. a distiller's pour for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> distiller's jigger. And that's one of the things that um, that is also very iconic with the bottle, not just the label, but like the uh, the cap, like the 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 three ounce shot glass on top. It's like, you know, kind of like, all right, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, all, it's, it's all ready to go. Throw, man. <laughs> you throw it in the you throw it in the panniers on the on the motorcycle. You know, throw it in the saddlebag and. Uh, but don't and, drink it. Yeah, exactly, and, and then you, and, and at the end of the day, when you're sitting around the campfire after riding all day, that's when you crack open the bottle. There you go. Pop it open, you know, pop it open, and you pour pour a little into the cap, and then pass it around with your friends and enjoy a little whiskey after uh, and, after riding. And you know, after inevitably, when you you lose that thing, then you just take it straight from the bottle. <laughs> right, exactly, because it will get it will get lost. It will get lost. Yeah, actually, when you when you guys uh, for the audience uh, out there, they, when they rolled in today, there was one of the. Uh, one of the bottles didn't. It actually very like, kind of serendipitously, uh, <laughs> the uh, sherry cast finish, which I actually have a bottle of batch number one from the trip from the right, summer. Right. Um, we just 
we just crushed it like a couple nights ago. I was saving it. I was like just, I was tasting everyone on it, you know, uh, that I knew would enjoy something like that. And I kept the uh, the maroon uh, jigger cap shot glass thing, and uh, they rolled in. And that one was missing, and I just happened to have it in my bag, so yeah. we completed the whole thing. <laughs> that was so perfect. Was we were we cool. were t- we were taking a photo of uh, of all of our bottles lined up, and uh, that was the one, the only bottle that was missing the cap. <laughs> you had the cap in the bag. That was awesome. For once, I did something right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, go back to the uh, the the start. Like, actually, the the whole outlaw thing is pretty cool. It's like you're talking about Jess, yeah. And you're talking about his, uh, like, you had his land, you, you're starting to make this uh, this whiskey, and his neighbor... George Stranahan, yeah. George, yeah. yeah. Well, so Jess, uh, Jess Graber, was a, he was a volunteer firefighter up in Aspen. Uh, I mean, Jess, just to kind of give you a little background, he's, a, he's just, like, kind of one of those original outlaw mountain men. He really is, man. I mean, the guy is cool as hell, and I, I, I get to spend a lot of time with him. I'm very fortunate to spend a lot of time with him on the road. I was just in Texas with him, and he's, he's just, he's still a wild child. I mean, he... he He's uh, he's crazy, but he he um, he was uh, called to a fire at, at George Stranahan's barn, and and as as he likes to joke, well, we saved the foundation, <laughs> but uh, yeah. barn burned down, of course. <clears throat> Real barn burner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he um, and he started. He, he, uh, George Stranahan owns uh, Flying Dog Brewery, and right. so at the time, and that was at the time it was in Denver, and uh, and Jess started you know talking to me, said, hey, you know, I make a little moonshine. I need a place to right now. I'm just making it in my horse shed, which is an open, open air, you know, horse shed. And that's, I can't do it in the winter. Can I start distilling in your barn? And George says, yeah, as long as I get my cut, you know, sure. You know, just give me a a couple of jars here and there. And so Jess was making, uh, he was making moonshine up there since the early seventies and giving it away as gifts, you know, Christmas, instead of making everybody cookies, he's making moonshine. And and it's pretty popular. Great guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, and, you know, uh, Hunter S. Thompson lived uh, right next door to yeah, George exactly. Stranahan. And, you know, he'd come over and sit with uh, George on occasion when he was distilling. And, you know, I asked him about that because I'm a huge Which is Hunter's. funny because Ralph Steadman, the artist who did a lot of uh, Hunter S. Thompson's artwork for his books and for, like, like movie, like, for like, most iconically would be uh, Fear and Loathing in right, Las right. Vegas. Yep. Like, that poster, that's Ralph Steadman's artwork. Yep. And, then you tie that in with Hunter S. Thompson, and then Flying Dog. Flying they Dog. used to have, like, well, I, do they, they still, still do? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Ralph Sedman did all their yeah label. their artwork. Yeah, exactly. So cool. And I mean, it's yeah, it's awesome. We were um, we were we I think we were originally going to talk to him about doing the, the label for the whiskey, but we just decided it was too much. You know, like I, I would have loved it. That would have been cool. I, I thought I thought it would be great, but um, but but there's still a story there, and we're talking about it right now. Yeah, so that's yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I actually, rather than having it like right in your face, I like the fact that we can sit around and drink whiskey and talk about all the connections. Right, exactly. How everything just ties yeah, in. Yeah, totally. You know, I asked just I asked Jess about him one time. Uh, I said, you know, what was. I was like hanging out with Hunter S. Thompson. He goes, I can never understand a word that, that son of a bitch said. <laughs> I say, you know, he just, he said, I can never understand a word out of his mouth. He's just mumbling all the time. But, uh, I mean, they always, they had a blast. You know, he'd, he'd be distilling up there and, um, and just talk George into um, forming a partnership. You say, hey, what if, you know, what if we moved down to Denver and we, I, I built a still house next door to your brewery? You brew our wash for us yeah. and, and we'll distill it. And we'll, you know, we'll make some whiskey and, uh, and make some money, and uh, and George says, you know, I don't think that's a very good idea, and uh, and Jess says, well, what if we call that whiskey Stranahan's? And George says, yeah, that's a pretty damn good idea. Yeah, that's think, a pretty good idea. I think that's I think yeah. it's smart. So, yeah. Uh, so that's how they started the partnership, and that was 
um, 2002 is when they actually formed the company, and then 2004 is when we actually got our permit. That's it's pretty cool. Like the as far as like uh, the like modern whiskey distillery goes, there's only. I mean, I know that it's like it happens more now, but there was at that time that Stranahan's was uh, kind of like getting up and going. There's only uh, one other uh, distillery that I can actually think of that was uh, was the Kraskovich uh, family, uh, Charbet, you know, the winery, oh, right. and then they they started like Marco started distilling spirits, and uh, he's the only other person I, uh, that I know of that started making whiskey out of someone else's brewery and he would take the racer five IPA and distill that and make a whiskey right. and he would like throw a bunch of hops in it. So he was doing his hot, a hop whiskey. whiskey. Right. Yeah. It was really cool. And it smells like weed. Yeah. So it was like you, weed, you, weed family. Yeah. You, you, you Colorado and California people, you know, just like find out any opportunity. You, can, you know, we like say, our weed, <laughs> you like your weed and your whiskey. Man. <laughs> yep. So it's pretty cool. Our weed, our whiskey, our women, <laughs> dude. So the, uh, I guess we should talk about this for a second. Like, let's kind of like backtrack. It's like, what makes a Colorado whiskey? What is what are the guidelines to make a Colorado whiskey? Because it's not, it's not like on the on the, the actual whiskey label. It doesn't say necessarily like it's in bold print. It doesn't say American single malt. It says Colorado whiskey. So it does, and that's changing actually on the on the um, on the, the the sherry cask. You can see it says uh, Rocky, Rocky Mountain. Yeah, Rocky yeah. Mountain single malt. So now we're starting to um, identify as, you know, um, not only American single malt, but um, by region, you know, Rocky Mountain single malt, because it's, it's just like any place. I think uh, different waters were, yeah, it's like a terroir, terroir, you know, you know, you've got, um, you know, if you're, if you're messing around with um, your own grain, you know, we've all of our, you know, 90% of our barley is grown in Colorado. Um, All of our water is uh, Rocky Mountain spring water. We use Eldorado Springs water. We have that shipped in from 30 miles away. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. I mean, for us, it's, you know, that's where it's exciting. I mean, it's it's about using the best ingredients we have. I mean, you talk to any distiller, it's it's about their water source. You know, in Kentucky, it's the water that's running across the limestone. Limestone, yeah. You know, imparting flavor into the bourbon. Uh, For us, we're we're just, we're we're lucky enough to to be able to to get that, uh, that, you know, Rocky Mountain snow melt. I mean, it's it's, it's about the, you know, I'm... We're at, uh, you know, well, we're at 5280. We're a mile high in Denver. So, yeah. um, you know, so we're, I mean, it's, it's all that, it's just, all that water is just clean and, uh, and coming from the mountains. So it is about the ingredients. Um, you know, we, we, and it, you know, it's about where, how you source those ingredients too. I mean, yeah. it's malted locally. It's, you know, it's grown locally. I know a lot, I know some of the farmers. I grew up in Southern Colorado. Some of those farmers, um, you know, my best friend when I was a kid, his, his dad was a crop duster and we would, we would be the marker car, you know, for the, for the plane to come down and, you know, we're breathing whatever shit he was spraying probably. But, <laughs> um, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, that's, that's where I, I got to know a lot of those families. And like, you know, now it's like kind of full circle for me. Cause like, Oh, we're buying their barley, malting it and making whiskey out of it. So it's, it's, it's pretty fun. Very cool. Was, was there ever a point in your life where like before you got into this, that you thought you would be a uh, a master distiller of a whiskey? Not guy. at all. Not <laughs> even any way, shape, or form. I mean, I was uh, my background was in the music business, you know, right. rock, rock and roll. Yeah, but, you know, managing bands, managing stages, and but making whiskey in Colorado is pretty fucking rock and roll, it, man. I, I would agree. I think it was a natural segue. It actually yeah. worked. Yeah, worked out well to my advantage. You know, sometimes uh, life just like creates a path for you, and, and like the thing that you really. Uh, 
find is uh, your passion. It kind of just finds you. It finds and pulls you, yeah. You, in, you know, I, I would totally agree with that. It's uh, it just it just naturally happened. It wasn't yeah. I wasn't seeking a, a a job. Hell, I didn't even it never even occurred to me that you can make your own whiskey. Just never even thought about it. Right until yeah. I I went to that distillery and I was like, oh my god, because you you ever see the stills? I mean, to me that's the most beautiful piece of equipment in the world. You you come in, you see. Uh, we've got five stills. We've got uh, three 800-gallon copper, um, uh, you know, column, pot column stills, and they're just they're they're gorgeous. I mean, they're just beautiful. I love working with those things every beautiful. day. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, we talked about uh, having, uh, you know, like Carl or like Vendome or somebody make us a like a, a gas tank for our chopper. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> Which we still need to do. Yes, I totally agree with that. It's a, a worthy project. I, yeah. I, I think we need to follow through on that. I think I, we can make that happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> cool, man. Well, let's take a quick break, and uh, when we get back, we'll continue talking with my buddy Rob Dietrich of Stranahan's, and uh, let's pour some more whiskey, man. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about some of the other marks, man. Cool, let's do it. Cool. All right, back in a moment. Super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. I love and, it. <laughs> and we're back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And in the studio today, we have um, we, we have a lot of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to my good buddy, Rob Dietrich of Strain Hands out of Denver, Colorado. Um, so we've touched a little bit on the uh, the beginning of Strain Hands. And we talked a little bit about the, the Cash Thieves, uh, which is a great great uh hangout time you know like a big party get to try out uh uh, you know a lot of the weird experimental stuff right actually one of my favorites was um the uh there was that giant sherry cask uh that we got to try out and then turns out that uh we you got a sherry cask finish well we were we were already working on that for a little bit and i was you know Wanted to try it out on on uh, the general public just to see what their feedback was. Everybody loved that thing, and we've already been working on it. You know, whiskey is always it's always about the long game. You know, if you're going to yeah. do something, you got to oh, you got to plan ahead. Yeah, you got to sure. plan ahead exactly. 
So it was it was funny to me because like everyone that um uh you know when we went on that trip uh there was like a lot of uh my buddies uh uh from New York uh that were on the same trip and um we got to go to this thing together and it's like like peers friends uh industry people that I really uh respect and think like, we have like we kind of like try stuff out together a lot and we're like what do you think about this you know like, this is really cool and like to go to an event like that we we all kind of like kind of huddled around the sherry cask <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like yeah we're bottling this yeah and it was already bottled yes like yeah. you just nailed it you know it was really cool i mean like going into that that it must be nerve-wracking trying to like predict you know any kind of like trends as far as like palette go the palettes right. go you know like yeah. What are people going to like? I mean, you know, I know I like it, but does that mean everybody else is going to like it? You know, and, I, right. and that's what you always hope. Um, and, you know, that was one of the things that was kind of nice to be able to get that feedback um, at Cask Thief when you're just, you know, talking to people like, hey, what do you think? Which which one did you like the best? And people are like, oh, man, I love that sherry cask. And we'd already had it in the works. And you're, yeah. you're kind of like wiping a little bit of sweat off your forehead and going, okay, good. Because you're not, you're not sure if it's actually going to work out, even though you can taste it. You, can, you, know, you know it's going to taste awesome, but uh, getting that feedback. Yeah, that's key. It was so cool, man. Like and like having it drawn like straight from the barrel. That was so cool. And like that, and, that, and by the way, for the the listeners, like it's not just like a bunch. It's not like six different whiskeys that were like drawn from the barrel. You're actually like in bottled and poured out. They're actually you're pulling from the barrel, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. And that's something I really like fell in love with. Like on a trip to cognac years ago. We were tasting stuff straight from the barrel, and it was so cool, man. It's, it's just, I mean, it's it's about as magical as you can get if you're a whiskey lover it's to like, see see this big copper, you know, tube that you're you're sticking down into into the into the barrel and then pulling out there. and just, yeah. and then all of a sudden your glass is just full of this gorgeous amber, you know, love. And if you're lucky, there's a little bit of sediment. Right? Yeah, you get I a little char in there. Yeah, yeah you see a little char float around in there, and because that's um, when you know it's real and raw and like, yeah, fucking outlaw, man. And, actually, and cask strength. Cheers, and brother. cask strength, <laughs> totally. Yeah, you're gonna know you're drinking whiskey when you're drinking cask strength right out mm-hmm. of the barrel. Totally. You know, there was. Uh, I want to talk about this for a second before we move on to. I mean, like this sherry is, finish is amazing. Oh, actually, we're drinking the Diamond Peak. Well, um, I know, but oh, right. like, I wanted the. Uh, I just want to talk about. <laughs> like, <laughs> there was one that I really, really fucking loved, and it wasn't because like. It was it was interesting. Um, there was one that was it was just like the strain of hands, but you instead of aging um, like uh, laterally, you aged it vertically in a barrel. Oh right, yeah. The we called that one the headstand. Yeah, uh, because that was uh, bung in the end of the barrel instead of yeah. on the on the belly on the side of the barrel. Um, and, and really that was more for, uh, efficiency and, and being able to store bar- more barrels in the same square footprint that I, yeah. that I could. Um, and it doesn't really change the f- pro- profile that much. I mean, you're still getting surface area to, to the volume to surface area. Um, but it's, uh, I, I, for us, it was more efficient and I, I wanted to make sure, you know, we, I, I got a barrel from independent save company and we want to make sure it wasn't going to change the flavor profile by, by storing it that way. And it was, it honestly, it was just as good or if not better. Yeah, and, and you know what? No one's ever—I've never heard of anyone like experimenting on like 
doing that because like yeah i mean people will like do like occasionally like i know like there's experiments with uh changing the barrel heads and like right st- like reintroducing staves like like maker's mark 46 like stuff like that with like a different uh treatment on the staves and they drop them in there but yep. like but no one's ever like turn the barrel over <laughs> yeah exactly it's like <laughs> and it's such a simple idea and then but, yeah it's just an all you know for us it was it was about efficiency and that we just started looking and we're like you oh, know we could we could we can store so much more in here but coming from a, like a cocktail point of view like or just even thinking of, like think about it this way like so there's the difference between a a flute or a coupe right when you're having champagne yeah like the surface area like that lets the champagne bubble off. Like the reason right. why coupes started becoming uh, like popular back in the day is because we're getting like really shitty champagne during prohibition. So they're like, all right, let's let this bubble off. It's like a little too right, you know, a little, too but little funky. with a fine champagne, you want the uh, the surface area to be smaller so it contains the bubbles, right? Right. So it's kind of cool to like experiment. I mean, it's not kind of cool, but it's it is very cool to like open up the surface area and let the the whiskey breathe right that's what i took away from that that was yeah. cool and and it is and i mean it, it is about your glass like right now we're drinking out of rocks glasses um and you can i'm making those we're with not it. drinking out of country western glasses yeah no <laughs> well you know it's not gospel either it could be <laughs> well um, it's kind of gospel hey, we are we are preaching yeah <laughs> uh, um but, we are i mean that's i actually i consider like uh like churches anywhere i'm sitting down drinking that's i'm worshiping you know that's Sitting there drinking whiskey in, in a bar. That's baby that's, Willie Jesus. That baby Church of the Baby Willie Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> so that's uh, I don't want to get too far off from the because uh, we we have a little bit of time left. But sure. But uh, I got so like caught up in that. It's such a great event. Like anyone that uh, wants to go out there to Denver in the summer and like check out beautiful Denver and go check out the distillery, you got to go by for the Cassidy situation because like it's. It really is like you're just right there with the casks and like all the experimental stuff that you're doing. And like the main one, like I was saying before, is like I, I really love that sherry cask finish, uh, or just the big cask. But like yeah. right now, what are we drinking? Uh, so we're we're drinking Diamond Peak right now. So Diamond Peak is our it's the same uh, same malt barley whiskey, um, same white American oak barrels with the number three char, but uh, it's all four year. So with uh, with our original, that's two, three, four, and five year old barrels, um, and then with the Diamond Peak, all strictly four. You know, so it's, you get, cool. all, you get all that flavor from the, um, the oak, um, you get that depth of oak, you get the depth of kind of like almost dark chocolate a little bit too. Yeah. Um, I just, I, this one's, this is one of my favorite. I love it. You know it. what? You're totally right. I mean, like all these whiskeys, they have a certain amount of richness to them that it actually kind of takes me back to Colorado. You know, yeah. I, I like, I feel like I'm in Colorado every little time taste I drink this whiskey. Yeah. And, uh, I want. That kind of, like with the the clean crisp air and seeing the snow on the mountains. Maybe I've been skiing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I've been snowboarding. Maybe I've just been hanging out at the bar all day. But which the latter is probably the most likely. Right. But <laughs> um, but it's they they have this great like rich maltiness to it and, and like uh, to them. Uh, and this one, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. I and I, and I love that depth. I mean, that's you know, and that's this the one's thing. like the most. Kind of, it's the most uh, like rare one to find. Uh, the diamond, the actually, Diamond Peak, you can you can, you'll be able to find it. The, the sherry is probably a little more rare to find. Is uh, it really? Yeah, because no. we we just launched that back in October. 
Okay, because I've seen the, the <clears throat> yellow label and the sherry like around, but I haven't seen the Diamond Peak. That's because everybody's buying it. Is that right? <laughs> I yeah. think so. Oh, well, actually, let's let's talk about that for a second. Um, I said at the beginning of the show that um, you do the snowflake. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's uh, I was talking about the uh, the you know the the recent like popularity of the the can releases from different, um, and I guess it's been going on for like five or six years, but it's really kind of over the past two years, um, feels like uh, of like smaller breweries doing these crazy can releases, and it's usually like a sixteen ounce like tall boy can, right, right, and people will be lined up around the corner, yeah, camping out to get these cans. You guys have a similarity with that, with the snowflake. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of crazy how it, it just it organically grew that way. I mean, we were um, we were just messing around, we were experimenting a little bit, just taking our malt, malt barley whiskey that was already aged in white American oak barrels um, for around three years or so, taking it out, transferred it into a variety of used barrels like um, um, Sherry Oloroso, of course, um, uh, cognac, rum, Tempranillo, Malbec, Cab Franc, you know, anything I can get my hands on, and then. They're cask finishing at different ages, so it'll be, you know, it might be uh, six months in one barrel, might be a year in another barrel, might be two years in another barrel, and I'll build that by by nose and taste. You know, just I'll pull those together. It might be you know two parts tempranillo, one part rum, one part cognac, one part port, and that's that's a batch. And you know, as in nature, no two snowflakes are alike. So I always make a batch different exactly. every year. And we had we have such a following for it now. People come out from all, from all over the country, um, and they start lining up days in advance before. Uh, we and they we, camp out, right? They camp out. This uh, this last year, we do a. a it's always the first uh, Saturday in December. Um, this last year, the first guys got in line. They drove up from Wisconsin, got in line at five thirty in the morning on Wednesday for a Saturday morning release. They camped out the whole time. Uh, That's for, amazing. In, in December in in Colorado, and it's uh, That's some real Colorado hippie shit, right? Yeah, there, no man. kidding. It's <laughs> and it's it's crazy. It's fun, and it, it's always you always see the camaraderie out there, and that's what I love about it. It's like yeah. people are. You know, they're out there for all for the same thing. They're all different walks of life. Everybody's camped out. You know, by the time, um, you know, I'll stay there. I stayed there this last year overnight and just go out there and I talk to people. You know, I'll go out there at two o'clock in the morning, you know, three or four, just go out there, shake hands, um, thank people for coming out, get them excited about the reason they've been hanging out. It's a good thing there's a dispensary right across the street. (laughs) I know. Well, it's funny. I always tell those guys, uh, the dispensary guys, I say, hey, you know, we're, we're about to have, you know, about, about a thousand people around the distillery. So you might want to staff up because, uh, you're you guys are gonna be busy. Yeah. amazing i kind of just want to go camp out i mean i love the whiskey but i kind of just want to go camp out and hang out it's it's fun Sounds to see cool. like i'll go out there you know i'll go out there and drink whiskey with those guys out there on the yeah. sidewalk everybody's got their tents and their sleeping bags and um you know we brought this you know we've been rank you know kind of cranking it up every year and this year we had a band that, that started at 10 o'clock and, and went till you know almost six in the morning wow it was a bluegrass band it was uh, it was a lot of fun so nice. we kind of created this little uh snowflake city out in the out in the parking lot snowflake city yeah, it was a. Oh my god, that's like tattoo worthy, right? Yeah, hell's yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy, tattoos after this? Yeah, man. <laughs> cool. I'm not even joking. Um, no, I'm, no I'm, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I thought you were asleep. <laughs> um, cool, man. And, and I think that's just like, it, outside of like the the kind of like hype that's involved with like the breweries doing like can releases all the time it's like this is like it's it's really cool that like you've built up uh this kind of vibe that 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 people feel like they're 
they can be a part of it. You know, yeah. they, they are a part of it. Yeah, there's, it's a whiskey no, community. Yeah, it's a totally community. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's, it's like, incredible. Man. Well, you know, kind of started. I mean, we were, you know, when we were first starting out. We didn't have a whole lot of money for the company, so we were we had volunteer right. bottlings. Uh, you you started an independent. Right, right. With the, <laughs> that nobody had ever done before. Like, right. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, when we first started uh, bottling, I mean, we would we'd bring in our friends, we'd bring in their friends, their significant others. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, and, we, and we'd just have a bottling party and we'd crank up the music. And, and you know, I, I, I was filling, uh, we had a six head filler called, uh, we, we named her Charlene, the big yeah. bad bottling machine. Yeah. Just filling the bottles. I'd slide them down that, you know, our volunteers would put the cork in, put the label on. Um, you know, put the put the cap on and, and box it up. And, we'll, and during those days, yeah. we were next door to Flying Dogs, so they were pr- providing our beer. And um, and afterwards, we'd bring out this this uh, stainless steel bucket, empty all the whiskey lines into the bucket, bring out a ladle and a, and a bucket of ice, and ladle whiskey into your glass. So you just walk over and ladle whiskey out of a bucket and put it into your glass. And it was, yeah. and uh, and, and we'd bring some pizza. And of course, we'll uh, work for whiskey. Yeah, it's, and it was. Uh, so you get a, a bottle of whiskey for helping us bottle. So that was at the end, you know, you go out, you guys go walk away and, and they get to put their fingerprints on the, uh, on the process. So cool, man. Yeah. So it's cool. Fun. So it's, you know, it's always been about that kind of, that community. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Well, yeah. dude, let's, let's try the, uh, yeah. this let's, is actually my favorite. The sherry. Um, I, I mean, cu- like I love all of them, but this is this one. Like, I, I love sherry and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of cool that you had the foresight to do this because, Sherry is actually having a uh, like a little bit of a comeback or a hot moment, you know. It's uh, uh yeah, no, and Sherry Sherry has a wine. I know that's kind of crazy. Uh, I fill, I filled up the uh, the little tin cap uh, with uh, with some Sherry for you. Um, so it's <laughs> so it is you know Sherry's fun and really where I don't have to wash the dishes, do I? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. We just break the glasses at the end. Just yeah. <laughs> um, so we we. Uh, you know, really, the sherry cask kind of came out of that whole snowflake thing because that's yeah. why we had it in the first place. Was just you know different cask finishes to cool. try for snowflake, and and everybody asked me all over the country, you know, when are you gonna release snowflake to the national market? I was like, never, man. It's this is a Colorado thing. You got to come out that's to Colorado. Real, it's a real deal. You come visit come, us. Yeah, you know, come visit us. And, uh, and they should. I mean, it's actually like Denver is one of my favorite cities. Well, it's, and we and we have a great tour program there too. I mean, I, you can you can and not see. just because I've almost lost my life there, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, it's it's a really great city. Um, and having that distillery there actually, even, you know, kind of makes it better. You know, it yeah, absolutely, gives me more of a reason to go by. I mean, and we're five minutes south of downtown, so if you're just flying through Denver, or if you're out there checking out the dispensaries or whatever, you know, that's uh, <laughs> that. You know, we're uh, you know, you can you can come by, and check out the tour. You can sign up online, uh, you know, strandhands.com. You can you can sign up for the tour, and it's about an hour long, and you get to try. Um, you know, in the cocktail lounge, you can try a flight of whiskey, so you can actually try the snowflake because you know snowflake only it sells out the same day we yeah. release it. So, right. uh, but that's how you can actually try what snowflake is, and then um, or you know once you go through the tour, you get to try some whiskey along the way and see how how we make it. Okay, man. Yeah, this is great. I love this Cheers, is one of my brother. favorite whiskeys ever. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm not just saying that. I mean, it really is. I, I love it. I, I I consider this to be like the dessert whiskey to your after dinner whiskey. You know, after dinner, you're gonna have a little diamond peak on the rocks. Yeah. Maybe another one. Maybe another yeah, one yeah, after yeah. that, and then uh, and then a little dessert whiskey to. We've to been there cabin. before. <laughs> yes, yes, we have. So tell me about this. Like, um, it's been a very progressive last almost fifteen years. Fifteen, yeah. almost twenty years actually. At this point, yeah. Um, what's next for Stranahan's? 
Um, you know, it's, it's, it's always about innovations, of course. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about different innovations. Um, you know, right now, for us, because we are so community-based in Colorado, um, we're, we're on the Colorado Distillers Guild. We've been working with the other members of the, uh, the Distillers Guild to, uh, to create a Colorado Spirits Trail. So the Colorado Spirits Trail is, uh, um, is exactly uh, what, are, you know, you've got the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. You know, so you got, yeah, you know, sure. So you got your yeah. little passport and you can go down through Kentucky and check out all the bourbons. Um, we wanted to do something uh, that, that when people are in Colorado, like, hey, you got something to do. Check out, check out uh, all these distilleries. They're everywhere. And that's why we call it Colorado Spirits Trail because not everybody's just making whiskey. You know, right, there's, there's, sure. Yeah. There's about maybe over half of them are making whiskey, but everybody's making, you know, all sorts of different things. So. Um, we're actually launching that. We have a, um, on February 24th, uh, a place called Mile High Station in Denver. We are launching, um, it's a thing called uh, Hearts and Tails. You know, hearts is uh, that uh, the spirit that you keep. Tails is what you get rid of. Um, so we, uh, we're, we're launching the, uh, the beginning of, uh, of the um, Colorado Spirits Trail by, you know, you can go down there, you can get a map. And uh, if, if you go to a distillery, so... The first 24 people to go to all 46 distilleries on the Colorado Spirits Trail, um, you get a stamp at every distillery. So, you know, we know you've been there. And then um, you get a free uh, you get cab a, ride home. You get, <laughs> right, exactly. Well, you got to go all over Colorado. I mean, it's distilleries over in, you know, yeah. up in the mountains. They're on the Western Slope. They're, on, they're in Denver. Um, but the first 24 people to go to all 46 distilleries and prove it with their map, you know, their stamped map, gets a bottle from every distillery. That's 46 wow, that's- bottles. That's a whole like home bar. Yeah, I mean you're you're set. You do that. And you wow. you know I can see somebody saying, okay, we're getting we're getting married uh, next week next uh, next year. Let's go, yeah, you know, let's go let's go get the booze for the for the wedding. You let's know? go see if we can do this. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, and obviously you know we we uh, we want people to be safe about it, but you know so it's you know, try not try not to do it in all in one day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe split over two days. Yeah, two days maybe <laughs> day and a half. Um, but, uh, it is, it is a lot of fun. We've been working with the Colorado board of tourism to, uh, to help create this Colorado spirits trail. Um, so, that, you know, encourage people to come out, uh, um, to, to check out everybody's, you know, everybody's, uh, their pride and joy, man, what they're making, you know, everybody's, if you're making it, you better love it. You know, right. Yeah, so absolutely, man. Yeah. So that'll be on uh, February 24th. Um, and you can check it out. Um, we have information on our, our website. Um, you can check out if, uh, if you're in Colorado or just have me passing through, uh, come out and, uh, and taste uh, taste some whiskey. Everybody's, we're gonna be pouring. Everybody's gonna be pouring their, their their juice. So it'll be a fun time. Very cool. Well, I gotta tell you, um, this has been one of my favorite shows. Um, just, I mean, I love talking whiskey, but also I love having a good friend in the studio. And uh, man, hell's yeah! Everyone out there, go check out uh, if you haven't yet. Go check out Strain of Hands. Uh, it's great whiskey. Like all all three of the expressions that are out there are fucking amazing. If you feel like camping out uh, for the next uh, snowflake release, let me know because I'll probably be there with you, and maybe we'll we'll get a little tent city happening. And uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll be there, man. I'll come out and say hi, and I'll have I'll drink a little whiskey with you. So, um, and you're always welcome, man, in, in Colorado. Hell yeah, man! I can't. Well, we've been talking about. Uh, I, I need to get back out there and hang out with you. Like, go uh, do, do some, a little riding. Do a little riding, man. Yep. Yeah. Before drinking whiskey. Correct. For for <laughs> our insurance and everything. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. No, uh, that's it. I'm, I'm always, uh, always, I always like to ensure people are responsible when they're drinking whiskey and, uh, um, and drinking it after operating a motor vehicle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, <laughs> Rob, uh, on, uh, 
Damon, it's, so good it's, to see it's you, so brother. It's so good to see you. Cheers. Really happy to have you in the studio today. And My really, pleasure. Uh, happy to like be able to uh, have you tell the story about Stranahan's and uh, and taste this stuff. And like, it's it's such a just good vibes all around, man. Hells it's yeah. great to see you. Yeah, Aww. likewise. <laughs> uh, God damn it, Dave. You run a perfectly good moment. <laughs> Wait, I'm wiping the tears out. Hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Uh, check out Heritage Radio Network for many other programs like this one. Uh, click on the beating heart to donate to Heritage Radio. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And we definitely need your help. Also, I just want to say, uh, there's been, like, over the past few weeks, uh, we kind of reached out to a bunch of buddies. We're building a little, like, bar here in the corner of the studio. And so I want to say thank you to everyone who has donated bottles and bar tools and glassware and everything. So sweet. Um, Cool. So, uh, it's it's very nice. And... uh, Sorry for Southern Teague, who couldn't be here. <laughs> but, uh, who? yeah, exactly. Right. 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 <laughs> I started, I started this show alone. I'm going to end it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, sorry, Southern. Um, anyway, until next week, that's it for the speakeasy. Rob, cheers. Cheers, brother. I'm gonna so need- you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's going to save your soul. The Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Everything.